Hi there, I'm Jeannie Patel-Thompson, and I write books about natural healing for digestive diseases. Um, you can find out lots more about me at www.listen2yourgut.com. And today, I'm really pleased to be talking with Marlene Cray. Uh, she is a nutritionist who specializes in balancing the body's pH. Um, so if you want to find out more about Marlene or ask her a question, you can reach her at www phbodybalance.com and her phone number is 859-336-3246. So Marlene, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Jenny. I really enjoy what you do with um, digestive disorders and, and all the different protocols that you have. Well, the, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you specifically about this whole issue of acid alkaline and pH body balance is that you're from our you know our previous conversations you're a mother you're a grandmother you know about kids you know about busy families and your advice and your suggestions are so practical you know they're not this theoretical idealized state that nobody can actually implement you know what's what's really true is that i think a lot of people are now hearing about ph balance and not really understanding what it is other than they know that it's, you know, some things are too acidic and I get a lot of questions about, well, can you become too alkaline and things like that. And really when you when you break down what um, pH body balance is, it's an understanding of the acid-alkaline balance. So the, the acids, you know, your body is acid by function, but it's supposed to be alkaline by design. And pH basically just concerns the chemistry of the body. And so we probably would never have known about this measurement except through the degradation of the food, water, and air. And most of us have become upside down and having too much acid. So there's a lot of simple shortcuts that we can do with our families to get on the right side of the bell curve of of acid alkaline. And many of the things are just the ingredients of what's in the processed foods today. Right. Because Now, that's a really interesting point you brought up because – like, for example, the stomach has to be acidic to digest the food. And the colon has to be acidic for the good bacteria to thrive. If the colon gets too alkaline, the bad bacteria in the candida proliferate, and well, to a certain extent. And then if you get too far to the balance, then, of course, they all get killed off as well. So it's a really interesting point, what you said about you have to get the correct balance. And, and as, you know, different you know, organs and parts of the body obviously are going to need a slightly different um, option. Sure, we, and, and, you know, when you, when you uh, a lot of times people will say, well, how do you test your pH? And one of the ways I, I like to test is uh, saliva. But you have to test first thing in the morning when you wake up before you brush, eat, think, or drink because the saliva in your mouth is highly alkaline. So a, a guy, for example, a man, will wake up thinking about food and the saliva starts bursting forward, will completely change his pH in his mouth. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And because, why? Because when you chew your food, um, the saliva is helping you, your teeth, break down the food. The more work your mouth does, the less work your digestive system has to do. So that's a shortcut. You know, if you want to, when, when, when you have too much acid going on, one of the things you want to do is try to put the acid-making parts of your body on vacation and bring in more alkalinity. So, in other words, the more you chew, the less digestive a- action you need because what are you doing with your teeth? You're pre-digesting. Right, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is interesting Here. because acid alkaline goes back to, uh, you know, Louis Pasteur because he said that we inhale germs and we, we inhale these different microorganisms and things like that, and then they grow in the body and that causes disease. His uh, partner at the time, Antoine Bouchamp, said, well, here's the thing. If the environment is conducive, the microorganism will grow into a bad bacteria or a bad virus or a bad um, yeast or, or, or whatever you want to call it. But if the environment is where it's supposed to be, then it won't. And yes, there was exactly. much controversy about that. Um, Louis Pasteur ended up winning the battle, but later on um, it was determined that it is true. The, the, the internal terrain, the pH balance is the deciding factor on it. But we're talking about, when we talk about pH balance, we're, not, we're talking about the blood, the lymph, the cellular fluid, you know, that 70% of us that are water. That's interesting. The blood... The lymph. the lymph and the cellular activity. See, the deep vein artery blood um, maintains 7.365, much like your body temperature will try to maintain 98.6. If you go off two points either way, we die, and, and that's just what happens. So what happens in the deep vein artery blood is if it starts to tilt to become too acidic, the body will still say calcium from the bones. It's a 12 pH very alkaline, and it right. will it will neutralize it back to, to where it's supposed to be. Um, yes, and that's a really interesting point because that's, you know, something I've heard again and again is that that's one of the problems with the medical uh, diagnostics is they primarily test the blood, and the blood is the last place an imbalance will show up in the body because the body maintains the blood at all costs. Exactly. So. Yeah, so the, the naturopathic health systems, like you said, you test the saliva. A lot of them will test urine, stool, you know, things like that before they'll, um, you know, knowing that, that disease and imbalance shows up there long, long before it shows up in the blood. Right, and urine is, is for me, a difficult way to test because here's why. If you are, say, cleansing, urine is output, and and when you're cleansing, it will become highly acidic because what are you doing? You're outputting all the toxins because you're cleansing. (laughs) And so typically urine runs more acid than saliva anyway. It'll run maybe a 6.8 as a very normal urine and saliva 7.3 as a a normal saliva. And to to get a good urine test, you would have to test maybe three, four, five times a day and then average it because of the output factor. So say you went out and had Italian food and a glass of wine last night and you get up this morning and test your urine, it's going to be acid because you're getting rid of the debris from the the late dinner you had. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when somebody comes to you and they say, okay, Marlene, I think I'm, I'm out of balance. I think maybe I'm too acidic. What are, um, because this is a podcast, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but what would be some quick things that you would tell them that they can get going on right away to um, start to balance their their pH body? The first thing I would probably suggest to them is to identify what their acidity is. Um, You cannot separate yourself from stress. That's more acidic than any food that you can eat. 
So emotional, physical, mental stress. But you can have a different response to it. So that's one aspect. Then there's the input of the food and beverages. And that's mainly what I focus on because family to family to family, and as we grow up generation to generation to generation, those things remain the same, but the quality of the food and beverages have degraded. So you might be eating what your great-grandmother ate, but it's not nearly as good for you. (laughs) So what I do is I suggest to them um, what in your daily um, habits are creating the stress. Is it coffee? And if so, let's exchange it for a shortcut. For example, if you're drinking coffee, that's probably the most single most acidic thing you can drink. And, really? <laughs> but at the same time, you can cold press your coffee, make it into a concentrate, and it reduces the acidity 70%. Uh, so that would be a good coffee? substitute for you if you drank coffee. If, in, uh, when you say cold press, do you mean um, instead of adding hot water, you add cold water and maybe let it sit for a while? Or? Typically, what brings out the acidity in the coffee is the fact that the, the coffee goes through a hot brewer and the heat will create the acidity. If you take right. the same ground coffee and soak it in cold water overnight and strain it, um, and then you have a, 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 a thick syrupy liquid, you add that, put that liquid in the bottom of a cup, add boiling water, it tastes just like fresh brewed, but you've right. reduced the acid 70%. Very interesting. Okay. So those are the kinds of shortcuts. You know, if you have a child that is um, doing a lot of high sugar drinks, and so you have a child who's maybe ADD or, or acting out, and you can really trace it back to the amount of um, high fructose corn syrup they're intaking or sugar sugar substitutes, things like that. You can exchange um, for concentrated powdered stevia. The reason I'm kind of specific with concentrated powdered stevia is it does not have an aftertaste. You can control yes. it. It doesn't have any cut in it, so it's just totally plant-based. And you can make soft drinks for your child that are good for them. You can use a concentrated black cherry um, syrup. They use that a lot, you know, for gout or things like that. You can use a concentrated ginger juice and make ginger ale. You just simply buy sparkling water, add the stevia, add the concentrated black cherry or add the uh, ginger juice, and now you either have a black cherry soda or a ginger ale. (laughs) I'm working on Coke. I haven't got there yet. (laughs) Question for you, because I know that the, um, like the carbonated soft drinks, they pull, my understanding is that the carbonation causes minerals to be pulled out of the bones. Yeah, and that's a lot, got a lot to do with the sodium that's in there. Because it's a elemental sodium, not a natural. um, Okay, if you use the sparkling water, is it going to cause um, a bit of mineral leaching from the bones? or? Well, you use a, spark, a natural sparkling mineral water. Okay. And then what you've done is you've created a conversion that has improved what you're doing 70%. Yes, exactly. It's not going to improve it 100% because doing yeah, it at all is not a good idea. <laughs> exa- well, and you know what? I have a friend of mine and her kids have grown up on, you know, soda pop. And so... For her to switch them to, like, you know, juice from a juicer, it's, it's just not going to happen. 
So exactly. that's what I said before I liked about your stuff that it's really practical. So you can say, okay, well, sparkling water, no, it's not 100% ideal because we do still have the carbonation issue, but it's a you know, 70 80%, well, I would say even higher improvement over drinking you know, Coke or commercial ginger ale. And, and there's a lot of really great uh, sparkling mineral waters now that, that you can buy. You know, the biggest change that I see is, you know, I want to talk about a lemon for a minute because lemon pre-digestively is acidic. Post-digestively, it's highly alkaline. The other thing is it will soften the gunk in your organs, and what we're talking about are the kidney, liver, pancreas, you know, the primary expelling or, organs, um, and so what happens is you can use lemon in a myriad of ways. You can use it to make lemonade. So it would be, you know, two fresh lemons, a half gallon of water, and a quarter teaspoon of powdered concentrated stevia, and you have great lemonade. Kids love lemonade. The other thing you can do is puree blueberries or raspberries, which are very low in the acid alkaline. They're the lowest fruits. Any kind of berry up through to the strawberry. The strawberry, it starts to get sugary and, and more acidic. But blueberries, blackberries, raspberries. So you can puree them into the lemonade, and now you have pink lemonade, blue lemonade, purple lemonade, oh, and yeah. change it up for the kids that way. And adults. Oh, that's, that's the great. other thing I can tell you for adults is I would say most of the problem is dehydration because we don't drink enough water. But you can substitute lemonade for the water because the lemon is good for you and your body appreciates it. What happens is the molecular structure of water, when it goes through your body, your body's supposed to hold on to the water, break down the molecular structure small enough to hydrate the 20 different cell sizes that you have. Today's body is not as fit as bodies 100 years ago. And people will have a tendency to drink water quickly It'll go right through and they'll, they'll urinate. What, what the lemon does is it, the body will hold on to the water long enough to get the phytochemical nutrition out of the lemon and in the process break down the molecular structure and make it wetter water for people. So even if they don't like the lemonade, a squeeze of lemon will help hydrate the body more than just plain water. Very interesting. It's now, kind of a me, fun thing. Yeah. Along along those lines, let me ask you a question about juicing. So what's your opinion on, um, you know, getting a proper, you know, masticating juicer and doing the, you know, obviously as much green vegetables as you can, but you have to mix them with, you know, apples or some other fruit for the taste aspect. Is that something that um, is alkalizing for the body? Well, yes, and actually, you know, what's really interesting is avocado and cucumber will neutralize and soften flavors. You can oh. you can put spinach um, into a blender, and it would probably not taste very good once you pureed it, but if you added avocado, cucumber, and tomatoes, um, it would absolutely change the flavor of the spinach altogether. And so it's interesting because I'll, some people will say they put in apples. I'll say try putting in a cucumber. You might like it I'm better. Try that. Mm-hmm. You might like it better. Um, here's here's the whole issue with sugar in fruit. If you're fairly balanced, you have enough alkalinity in your system to neutralize acidity. If you're not, you want to err on the side of caution 
and have more alkalinity coming in. That means not having the sugar come in because the sugar feeds acidity or becomes acidity. And so it all depends on where you're at. I I am a proponent of a 70-30 or an 80-20 diet, depending on where someone is health-wise, meaning 70% being alkaline, 30% being acid. We're all going to have acidity coming in. So let's choose it and be careful about it. For example, uh, I don't do dairy, but cheesecake has always been one of my downfalls. And if I go out to lunch and I see someone with cheesecake, I'll say, oh, that looks good. I'll have a piece which I would never do at dinner because nighttime when your body's completely digested and you're sleeping is when your healing cycle kicks in. And your healing cycle will not take over if your body's still working, meaning digesting. So I focus on dinner as being my healthiest meal, and I don't worry so much about lunch. Right. That's interesting because I found that, um, like, if, for example, if I'm going to take supplements and whatnot, I have to really be careful what supplements I take in the evening. But after breakfast, I could I could take anything, and it's it's not going to cause me any sensitivities or any problems. That's really true because you you probably also focus on having a healthier meal at night, knowing about the healing cycle. And so what happens is if you take supplements that um, uh, initiate or instigate, you know it. <laughs> Yet yeah. in the morning you do it, and it's helpful. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. So now what would be um, like a favorite juicing recipe for you? Um, I do I do a daily drink, and that's that's my standby. And it's one that I can make three or four cups of in advance. And I have a, a basic recipe for it, and it's basically spinach leaves, cucumber, the avocado, tomatoes. Um, I use a Himalayan or Celtic salt with it, and I use a, a cayenne pepper with it. Um, and even if somebody can just do a little bit of that, it helps because it makes the blood move. But what I do is I chop it all up and I put it into fresh lemon water and I leave it in cups that are covered and I puree them one cup at a time as I as I want them. And so I do that maybe two, three times a week, and that's my standby. That's my no matter what else happens, I have that. Now, does that taste... Um I don't know if you know, there's like a uh, mixer called V8, like a veggie juice. People use it to make Caesars and stuff. Is it that kind yes. of taste you're yes. getting? Yes, um, it doesn't taste as red, <laughs> but yes, it does taste uh, soft. It has a soft taste, and I haven't really, um, I mean, my 13-year-old drinks it, and he doesn't uh, He doesn't like green drinks per se. You can't get away from the color green on it, but it doesn't taste green. Very interesting. I'm definitely mm-hmm. so you know what? I've never tried something like that. And especially not adding, you know, salt or, or cayenne or tomatoes or that's very interesting. I'm gonna try that. That's a good experiment. Well, and salt in general is good for trace minerals, um, and it's also good for the electrical communication between the cells. And so, um I I'll buy the Himalayan rock salt and make the soleil. We talked about that at one time. And and yeah. that does a spark. It it just kind of gives you a, a a pep that you wouldn't normally have. Yes. Yeah, the Himalayan salt is, um, yeah, I've just, everything I've seen on it has been good. And also the Celtic sea salt is good, too. There's two, uh, one that's sold in this country and then one that's brought in from France. I think they they both originate in France, but, but that's good. That's a good salt, too. I like it. Yeah, it has a, it's a wide mineral profile as well. 
Do you, when you have somebody who comes in, just one last question before we finish off here. When you have someone who comes in who's really acidic, do you get them to take, um, you know, massive amounts of minerals, like mineral supplements? When someone's really acidic, the first thing we do is identify, you know, what the incoming acid is, and we try to control that, and then put the the body on 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 vacation. In other words, try to get some of the food predigested, like we're talking about, either pureeing drinks or, you know, chewing for an extended period of time. One of an, an easy way to do that is to use the the low heat crock pot soup, uh, the low the a crock pot, and put it on low heat. Um, that oh, yeah. that does a lot of pre-digesting. In terms of supplementation, what I try to do is look at it in a three-prong approach. One is foundationally. Obviously, there's a huge deficit, and we've got to figure out what that is. And in those deficits, once we've identified it, we can supplement the deficits. That's what I call targeting. So we'll target what the deficits are, supplement there. Foundationally is simply the difference between what you can get out of the food, food and water and what you require. That's probably not going to change. So they really need to to address having some foundational supplementation. And then the other is um, cleansing supplementation, identifying, you know, where the area is. You know, I think you and I both agree that disease begins in in the intestinal tract in the colon. And so, you know, I love the uh, oil of oregano approach that you have. I mean, that's what it does is it goes in and it it weed wax and it kills all that yeast and fungus. The key is to have it not come back. Yes, exactly. Yes, right, to change the body ecology, the body environment, so that, you know, when you stop taking the wild oregano, everything doesn't, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, just yeah. flourish again. So it's it's three-pronged. You're targeting, you're cleansing, and then you're creating a foundational element. So that at some point, people are doing foundational because that's what we need to do in today's environment. Yes, and and very interesting that you identified stress as being one of the chief causes of acidity because it just seems, you know, I mean, I don't know how many interviews I've done of, you know, very specialized health professionals and every single one of them emphasizes stress, but we tend to downplay it. We try to go, oh, stress, stress is emotional. And really, I don't know what it's going to take for us to get the idea that stress is, you know, in many cases, number one. It's, it's the, I think so. I think it's, for me, I would say it's probably ten times more acidic than anything that you can ingest. Uh, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that most people are dehydrated. I think that's probably the number one issue in, in the country because our water is so degraded but um, and our bodies from, from the food. But stress in and of itself, there has to be a process where people disconnect when they're at least in their own homes. Um, disconnect and find peace, find solace, do what they need to do to turn that dial so that the stress of the outside world doesn't keep on a constant blast. That's like being in a storm all the time. Yeah. You have to come well, in from the along rain. With that, <laughs> along with that, you have people whose home life is the most stressful place in the world because, you know, they're, they're you know, I mean, here we get into belief patterns and, traumas and you know so they re- keep recreating an unhealthy environment in their home and their intimate relationships and so there's got to be a lot of healing that goes on and i'll tell you what though i think the truth is is that once you become balanced with your your uh, nutrition your food and your water your reaction to stress is much different than when you're sick 
And so I think the reaction to stress is probably equally as important as as, um, minimizing it. Yes. You know what? You're so right. You're so right because that's the other thing you see with people who are chronically ill. They're so easily irritated. They're so easily triggered because it's like they don't have any – they don't have any bounce in them. They don't have any flexibility left. So everything's exactly, really rigid. Yeah. Everything's so tight. Mm-hmm. So tight and yeah. sad, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Marlene. We're definitely going to have you back to do a full-length teleseminar um, and give everybody the chance to ask you their questions. Uh, but in the meantime, if you have questions for Marlene, she's available. Uh, at the end of a phone, amazingly enough. So her number, again, is 859-336-3246. And she's also got a lot of information and articles um, on her website, which is www.phbodybalance.com. So thanks again, Marlene, for um, sharing your wisdom with us today. Well, thank you, Jenny. I certainly appreciate what you do as well. Okay, and I think maybe what everybody can get going on right away is the uh, lemon water you talked about. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's the number one step, I think. Yeah, to just start getting hydrated. And by the way, lime works equally as well as lemon, and it needs to be fresh, not bottled. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly, lemons or limes. Okay, perfect. Thanks again, Marlene. Thank you. Bye-bye.